the moment that you're in? Is it peaceful? We've been spending a few weeks talking about missing peace this time of year. And I look forward to something such as a service like this because there's a sense of calm and peace, even if the microphones don't work when you start off. <laughs> I'm glad that you're here tonight. My name is Carrie, and as lead pastor of the Awakening Church, uh, our desire is to see people become fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And uh, I'd like to say welcome to Christmas Sunday morning on a Saturday because we are not having service in-house tomorrow. And uh, so you are free to worship in your home, one with another. And uh, because of that, I've had different people go, are you really shutting down service for Sunday morning? And I'm like, no, we're just carrying service into our homes. And uh, they said, well, what about all the other things that sort of come with a Sunday morning, this and that, the kids' things, or, you know, what about the offering and stuff like that? And I'm like, well, I, I guess we can take an offering. There's no reason not to take an offering. So uh, let me give you a few heads up, and the ushers can take their place to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings, as well as your Connect cards if you're new. I'd be glad to be able to receive those. But uh, we as a church have been on a journey for a number of years and a journey in this particular location for a good period of time. COVID hit for a couple years, and that sort of stalled us out. But uh, God has given us a prominent desire to be able to reach into the community for people to know Jesus Christ, as surely as Pastor Oliver prayed. And so if you are looking for a home church, we would love to be able to have you be a part of our family. If you feel so led, thank you for coming tonight, especially if you're new. As we turn the chapter on this year, and we get even further past COVID, which is nice, into 2023, uh, Pastor Trey will be speaking on Christmas, uh, on uh, New Year's Day, and uh, I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. I actually have to go back to that blizzard cold Midwest to do a couple weddings for family and some good friends, but Pastor Trey is going to be sharing on New Year's Day and kicking off the new year with a time of communion and a time to be able to just center our lives for the new year in the direction that the Lord would have us to go. And uh, the following, Pastor uh, um, Zach is going to be sharing with us. And uh, I just want to encourage us to establish a really good pattern as we come back after the holidays. Men, if you're here today and you're interested in being a part of a men's breakfast, we're doing a men's breakfast on the second Saturday of uh, every month for this uh, first few months, and uh, you can sign up on your way out today to be a part of an all-American breakfast for that, for us to build community. And if you're looking for friendship, others to grow and be on a spiritual journey with, uh, we have life groups. We'd love for you to be a part of those on the course of a week. But we're here in this moment tonight. Are you missing peace? We've talked about the idea of putting together a puzzle, and I was in Costco this week, and I saw some big puzzles, and I thought, maybe I should get a puzzle and try to put it together, because I've talked about it, that you put together all of your life trying to have everything come together so everything's perfect, right? And then sometimes you do a puzzle, and there's this missing piece. There's still something wrong, even though you're looking. You're looking for something. Maybe it's something uh, of... Uh, a greater internal value of meaning and purpose. Maybe it's a, just a place of ease. Maybe there's some financial stress, some other kinds of things in your life. But you know, we can do a lot of things putting our life together. But if we don't have that missing piece that's found with God, 
then we will always be seeking every decade of our life. The missing piece. We've talked in some prior weeks about that peace, the peace of God. But the peace of God can only be found if we have peace with God. So where's that peace at in your life today? You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about what causes me not to have peace. And one of the things that, um, and my wife will give vouch to this, I don't like lines. Do you like lines? Especially slow-moving lines. And you're trying to get things accomplished and make something happen, and the line is slow. Or maybe it's a traffic line that you don't like. But it's in the midst of lines that I have to say to God, could you help me have some peace in the midst of this situation? My uh, uh, Melissa's mom and dad are with us uh, for these couple weeks, and we were trying to get some food picked up the other day. And uh, so my old son Ryan was with us, my daughter Grace, and we said, what's stop by Blaze Pizza, new Blaze Pizza, any of you Blaze Pizza fans? So I'm excited about Blaze Pizza being right up the road from us, and I knew that maybe there was a chance there might be a line, but that's okay, I protected myself, I chose to let my son and my daughter go in, and I was going to go drive into the line for Costco for gas, and I appreciate the Marietta Costco, 32 pumps. It's far better than the eight pumps I've experienced at some Costco's. And so I was able to breeze through, get my gas. I went back around to Blaze Pizza. Guess what? They were still in the line. They hadn't even ordered yet. So I'm practicing peace in my truck, right? Because there's a long day I'd had. I'd wanted to get home. But um, they finally come out with a stack of five pizzas. And I said, they didn't really have their act together in there too much, did they? Nope. The lady doing the marinara sauce was just taking her lovely little time, right, preparing the, the pizza. If you get in the situation where you're in a long line, sometimes that can bring anxiety. But there's a line that I, for whatever reason, have envisioned in my life that concerns me the most. I don't know that there's going to be a line, but it's been framed to me as being in a line. And that is the line on the other side of this life. Now, maybe you don't believe in life after this life, but scriptures teach adequately about that. And the life that's on the other side of this life is a life that you and I are destined to be a part of and to live out in the presence of God. But God in his realm has perfection and holiness and beauty. He doesn't want defiance. He doesn't want indifference. And so in this life, we make a choice as to whether we want to be a part of that life in the presence of God. There is never this idea that God kicks someone out of his heaven and his eternal realm. It's that people choose that that's not the realm that they want to be involved in. And the line that I've had depicted in my uh, thoughts through the years is the line waiting to um, walk in through the heavenly gates and be able to experience all that God has for us in the new heaven as well as the new earth that God teaches and the scriptures teach. And that in this line, I'm patiently waiting and I'm doing pretty good, but there's somebody that's behind me and they tap me on the shoulder. And I turn around and it's someone I know. And this person I know is confused about what's going on. And they say, what is all this about? What is all this about? I said, well, it, I, this is, 
you know, they have what's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you're a follower of Christ, then you get ushered in to be in the presence of Christ for eternity. And there's this sinking feeling I have that maybe that person is somebody who not only taps me on the shoulder, but looks me in the eye and says, why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you tell me about this? You see, there is coming a day, Scripture teach, where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a quaint, peaceful night when we talk about, oh, the babe in the manger and, and the, uh, the angels declare and, and then they come and, and uh, they worship the newborn baby and, and all that's quaint. But you know what? Each of us in this life have to make a decision if we're going to worship Jesus or not. And that decision, whether we worship Jesus or not, has eternal ramifications. And I don't want you standing in the line behind me someday and go, you know, that was a really nice Christmas Eve service, but Carrie, Carrie, why, why didn't you tell me about this? So I want to share with you the simple gospel of why Jesus Christ came. And I want to give you the opportunity tonight to worship Jesus by surrendering your life to him. If you've never done that before, you know, the story is commonplace if you grew up in church or maybe even if you didn't grow up in church and you watched, you know, uh, Charlie Brown and Linus and all that. I mean, they, 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 they read the scripture out of Luke 2. And this is what it says. As we remember why we're here gathered tonight on this eve before Christmas Day when we celebrate Christ, God's entrance into the world. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went their own town to their own town to register. You can be assured of this. The Gospel of Luke was written by Luke, who was extremely accurate in trying to write down the historical accounts, not only of the birth of Christ, but the life of Christ, his death, and his resurrection. What we're talking about tonight isn't the quaint, nice little story that's some legend or some fairy tale. This is historically accurate. The Word did become flesh and dwell among us. And there was a historical census that was called, Luke records. Verse 4 of chapter 2, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields, in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, including us here tonight. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to whom his favor rests. 
When the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to him. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which they were just, which was just as they had been told. And on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. The common story of Christ's birth, I trust that it's not become commonplace to you. I was getting ready to walk down here this evening and the narrator talking about the incredible story, a fantastic story, but a story that's fantastically true, that the God of the universe so chose to place himself among us that we could know what God was like and that this son that he sent from the heavens, who eternally reigned with him forever and created the world, that this son would live in obedience to the Father and would take our sins upon him at the cross and be raised from the grave, thereby giving man the opportunity for salvation from their sins and the hope of eternal life. This fantastic story that's true is a story that should never become commonplace to us, but it should become center place in our life. That everything else around our life and the years that we live are centered on the truth that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That he is the Prince of peace who came. But that's not usually how our life is lived. We run from one year to the next to the next. A lot of things to do, a lot of places to see, a lot of things to acquire, a lot of experiences to gain. And it's real easy for us not to have Christ at the center of our life or even to give credence to who he is. Oh, we think, you know, I'm in my 20s. And so in my 20s, there's a lot of great things to be able to do in my 20s, you know. And, you know, maybe when I get into my 30s, I'll get more serious with the spiritual thing and maybe look into God a little bit more. But the 20s rule by, you get married, and before you know it, you have a few kids. Oh, my goodness, the, the 30s and the 40s, you're just trying to take care of the domestic front. You're trying to knock it down, get yourself promoted at work, get a little bit more money in the bank account, do a few more things, right? Because before you know it, the 40s roll into the 50s, and then the 50s into the 60s, and the 60s into the 70s, if God so leads. Maybe you get into the 80s and the 90s. And we just keep kicking it down the road. Well, there's something wrong. I'm going to live my life. There's things for me to do. I got But I want you to know this. Jesus himself said these words. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus did not come to squelch our life. He came to give us life. I'm so grateful that at a young age, when I started to investigate things of Jesus, that I had people around me who were living a life, fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And, and I said, you know, there's a lot of things. I'd like to have that car. I'd like to do that kind of career and things. But, but what that person has right there, I want what they have. And what they had was life in Jesus. 
The life that Jesus said, I've come that you may have it full and abundant. You see, you and I were made to be in relationship with God. And a lot of times the peace that you and I don't have as we roll through one decade to another is a direct result of us not having peace with God. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've never had that opportunity, to consider placing your life in the hands of God so that you could have not only peace with Him, but that you could have His peace. You know, there's some other places in Scripture that talk about Christ's birth, and it references that His kingdom will have no end. And you have to scratch yourself a little bit when you look at our world and all the chaos and the trouble that's going on. There's a lack of peace. There's a lack of geopolitical peace. It's just incredible that that war in Ukraine is going on even in this very hour and the difficulty there. You're saddened by that. There's brokenness in the lives, relationships that are around us, whether it's family, friends, marriage is breaking down. There doesn't seem to be any peace in the midst of that. Maybe there's a lack of peace internally. Maybe there's lack of that divine peace. If Jesus was the Prince of Peace and he came, then why is there so much chaos in our world and in my life? That's a legitimate question. But you have to understand this, that Jesus' kingdom that will have no end is a kingdom that's not quite culminated in its fullness. You see, they expected the Messiah to come and to be this earthly king, military leader, if you will, the Jewish people did. But he didn't come that way. He came lowly as a babe in a manger, humbly. He didn't come with all the accolades. Shepherds, my goodness, they were like the outcast. They couldn't even keep the Jewish law because of the, the, the career that they had. And so why would you pick shepherds to come to be the first people and announce it to them? It just seems so counterintuitive, a lot of this proclamation of Jesus if he was supposed to be the kingdom, a kingdom that would never end, then shouldn't you have a different screenwriter to, to write a different script? But you see, he came the first time because he wants to become king in your heart and mine. The kingdom refers to reign. He comes to establish his reign in our heart. He is coming again, again scriptures teach, to place peace on this earth. And his kingdom will have no end. But that kingship issue is a tough issue, isn't it? Because we have to sort of give up control of our life. And who wants to do that? I like to be in control, right? I want to be able to move that line along and get things accomplished. But there's something about the surrender aspect that each of us come to a place at in our life and we either say, yes, Lord, I surrender, or no, Lord. Not now or later. And all I can say is this, the sooner the better. Because the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he wants to reign in your life to give you fullness. And so when we have this identity that his kingdom is no end, you have to understand that we live in between the times of his first coming as a babe in a manger and when he comes again as the King of kings. And so many people say, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe there's even a God. Look around. What is all this that's going on? I don't know. You cannot judge a whole game by the first half. You know that? I know that. I come from the Midwest. I've been an Indianapolis Colts fan. They're not doing well this year. We had Colts players that were a part of the church that I used to pastor in Indianapolis. 
In fact, one of those is the Indianapolis coach right now, attended our church. And uh, I was elated that they were ahead 33 to nothing last week against the Vikings. They ended up getting beat 39 to 36. The largest come from behind victory ever in the NFL. And all I can say is this. It is what it is. Football is what it is. Good entertainment. But what about the big game of life? You think that Jesus isn't winning now because of all that you see around you. Friends, there's a second half when he's going to make all wrongs right. Heaven, it says, that he'll wipe every tear from our eye. When people pass away and maybe you lost a loved one this last year and the reality of death and the brevity of life is real to you, it's tangible. Know this, that one second on the other side of eternity will redefine everything about this life. For there is life after this life. And Jesus wants you there. There's a couple writings that were put together recently called One Solitary Life and the Incomparable Life. I want to read these for you, and then I want to give you an opportunity to surrender and give your life to Jesus on this Christmas Eve night. It says this, He never marshaled an army, nor drafted a soldier, nor fired a gun, and yet no leader ever had more volunteers who were under his orders. 2,000 years ago, a man was born contrary to the laws of life, He lived in poverty and was reared in obscurity. He was the child of a peasant woman and worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher, an evangelist. He never owned a home, never wrote a book, never held public office. He never went to college and never set foot in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He possessed none of these usual traits that accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. In his infancy, he startled a king. In his childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of the nature. He walked upon the billows as if on pavement and hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his service. He was still a young man. The tide of popular opinion then turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed on a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed tomb. Two thousand years have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. He never wrote a book. Yet no library could hold all the books written about him. He never wrote a song, and yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all the songwriters combined. He never founded a college, but all the schools put together cannot boast of having as many students. He never practiced psychiatry, and yet he healed more broken hearts than all the doctors far and near. How great is his influence? All history is divided by his coming into B.C. and A.D. We call this year 2022 in honor of his death and birth. 
The names of past leaders have long been forgotten. The great men of Greece and Rome are dusty names in the library of time. Scientists, philosophers, kings, generals, theologians have all come and gone. But the name of this man abounds more and more. Though time has spread 2,000 years between the people of this generation and the scene of his crucifixion, yet he still lives. Herod could not destroy him and the grave could not hold him. He stands alone on the highest pinnacle of a heavenly glory, proclaimed of God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, feared by the devils, as the living personal Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Savior of the world. Will you pray with me? Lord, in these moments across this room, I know not the backgrounds, the present lives of each and every one of us, but you do. And Lord, I pray in this Christmas Eve night that as your spirit speaks, that if someone has never surrendered their life to your kingship, that they would bend the knee and worship you tonight in spirit and in truth, but in humility, offering up their life to be used by you as you would so lead. If that is your place tonight, I just encourage you to pray a simple prayer after me. It's not the words, it's the intent of the heart. Just pray with me, dear Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for being the God who came in human flesh. I thank you for being born into this world for me. For living, for dying on a cross, for the forgiveness of my sins. And being raised to life, ascended to the Father and coming again. And so tonight, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin and my indifference. I turn to you. I invite you to come into my life. And from this day forward, as you enable, I will choose to live for you. Amen. If that's your prayer tonight, I encourage you to take one of those connect cards that's in front of you and mark, I pray to commit my life to Christ. We'd love to follow up with you. Or if you've got a bunch of spiritual, theological, philosophical questions, we'd like to interact and help you navigate your way to a place that you can find hope through Jesus Christ. But in this Christmas Eve night, I want you to prepare your heart for the celebration of his birth. For you see, you are a part of a big, epic story. You sit on this side of Christ's birth. But for the people long ago, they were waiting in a long line. Waiting, waiting for the Messiah to come to bring hope and to bring peace into this world. I want you to endear your hearts to the scene of that birth. And following the scene of that birth, we're going to do our candle lighting. Someone will come and light your candle, and the light that came into this world will be evidenced by us 
lighting our candles tonight as we worship him in the beauty of his holiness and in the presence with family and friends. We turn the page to see what lies ahead. Silence. From the Lord we heard nothing. Four hundred years, where is our king? Will we ever be heard? The word of the Lord was rare in those days. But behold, light breaks forth and tells of a child that would save. Mary would bear a son to wipe away their sins, conceived of the Holy Spirit in the line of David's kin. You see, Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob, Judah, and his brothers moved forward through the generations, and Mary would be Jesus' mother. For Judah was the kingly tribe, to him the scepter promised. Joseph, Solomon, Zerubbabel, all came from the psalmist. Could this be our king, the one we would accept? Would he bring civil peace, and from Rome us protect? All creation pauses and waits, and the wind whispers his name. Malek.
Les azar o caran, canes van azar. Te tomo mi, te tomo mi.
Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come? to make you new this child that you delivered will soon deliver you Mary did you know that your baby boy would give sight to the blind man Mary did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand. Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Oh, Mary, did you know the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of Did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven? perfect lamb the sleeping child you're holding is the great I Please stand as we sing these next carols together.
want to just encourage us to go this evening in the beauty of his holiness and his peace to have a blessed Christmas tomorrow and on behalf of my wife and I and all the staff families we want to wish you a Merry Christmas for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given we stand on this side of that great story of his entrance into the world. But this Christmas Eve night, come thou long 
awaited Jesus. There's refreshments for you to enjoy. You're dismissed as you would go. God bless. Amen. Merry Christmas.